Hello and welcome to the Savvy Producer Podcast. My name's Phil from Marsden Mastering and this is a show all about productivity, efficiency and keeping your clients happy in the world of music production. And yes, you read the title right, I actually bought some plugins for once this year. So I thought I'd take this episode to share the things I think about before I make these purchases. So I thought I'd share the things I think about before I make these purchases to make sure that the plugins are beneficial in terms of both my business and my creativity as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. So at the time of recording this, Black Friday's just gone by and I'm sure many of you have picked up some nice new plugins or gear. Black Friday is something that seems to get more and more hyped up every year and especially in the audio industry, we can't seem to escape it. We're bombarded with sales emails and ads from plugin companies trying to make us feel some sort of FOMO if we don't buy what they're selling. I've been very vocal on this podcast with my thoughts on plugins and gear in general and why I like to keep my plugin library super, super lean to the point where I didn't actually buy any new plugins for about two years. I like my business having low expenses and I like my workflow to be really, really simple as well. I've unsubscribed from just about every newsletter that could try and sell me a plugin. I don't follow plugin companies on social media. I just don't like it. But despite that, it still feels like I've lost count of the amount of sales emails I've had this Black Friday. The companies like to sort of market their products as instant fixes that will make your mixes sound better. And I don't blame them. That's what they've got to do to sell the product. But I know it's cliche. It is the ear, not the gear. Time, experience and passion to keep learning will make your mixes sound better, not that new compressor plugin. So my advice has always been have a really simple toolkit and just learn it like the back of your hand. This way you'll be a faster and I honestly think a better engineer. You'll be able to solve problems quicker, you'll develop your ear for mixing and producing quicker and you'll save a ton of money that can be invested into other parts of your business. Be it ads, be it acoustic treatment or your monitoring or even some form of coaching to move your business or your creative skills forwards quicker. I spoke about this in detail on episode 26 which was called Why You Should Stop Buying Plugins Right Now. So if you haven't already checked that out. But since I recorded that, there has been a breakthrough. I've actually bought not one, not two, but three new plugins. Crazy stuff, I know. Those are Ozone 11, Pulsar Massive, and Tone Project's Baselane. But the thing here is I genuinely feel all of those purchases were calculated, they were well worth the investment, they've boosted my creativity, I'm delivering a better project as a result a lot of the time. So I thought it'd be helpful to share the criteria, the qualification that I went through before I bought those plugins. I don't exactly struggle when it comes to gear acquisition syndrome. I'm not massively nerdy about it, which I know is weird for a mastering engineer. But I thought that this might be really helpful for those of you who but I thought this might be helpful for those of you who are the personality type where you are buying a new plugin every week and you can't stop obtaining them and you're finding that you're barely actually using any of them. So if that sounds like you, these are the things to consider before you buy the next one. The first thing on the list and the most important for me is does the tool actually do something new? Honestly, I only really buy plugins and get excited by them if they do something that is genuinely new and exciting. I just don't need 10 different compressors or 10 different EQs. Those sorts of things are nothing new and most of the time they're emulating something from 50 years ago. I'd rather have one or two that I know like the back of my hand and invest in tools and companies that actually push the boundaries of technology and do something different. So for example with the new Ozone suite that I bought, for me this is genuinely changing the way I master things. The ability to hone in on the bass or the drums or the vocal of a track and only process them is absolutely game-changing. And you might say, well, why don't you just go back to the mix to do those things? Well, I'm not really 
thinking in that headspace. If it is something that just needs turning up or down or changing in the mix, I'll shoot a message to the engineer and get that sorted. But what it does is it helps me add punch or add depth or add a certain shine to the vocal in a way that I wouldn't be able to do in a stereo track. I'm still thinking from a mastering headspace, but it opens up a whole new sort of layer of creativity that I can play with to get a track to where I imagine it needs to be. On top of that, the new version of Ozone lets you process transient and sustain information separately. So I could take all of the transient detail of a track and only process that to make sure the punch hits a certain way, or maybe dial back some transients just to smooth things out. Or I could process only the sustain information, so everything after that initial transient, and maybe spread it a bit wider or EQ it slightly differently. This opens up so many possibilities and you can even combine it with my previous point where you can split off the drums or the vocal or the bass and only process, for example, the transient of the drums. This is just opening up so many possibilities for me. And it's something that I genuinely just couldn't do before this product was out. So it's a no-brainer to get it. Similar with Baselane. So this is a mastering plugin that lets you control the low-end stereo width and lets you manipulate it in a way that still retains mono compatibility. And it has some really unique things that you can do with harmonics as well. Previously, there were kind of ways to do these things, but they were really long workarounds that you're just realistically not going to do or even think of in a mastering session. So this again was another no-brainer. It just opened up a world of possibilities when it came to controlling and manipulating the low end of a track in a way that is really classy and nice and doesn't get out of hand. Both of these plugins just do things that weren't easy or perhaps even possible before they came out. And as a professional in my field, I want to be with the technology and I want to be trying these new things and these new possibilities as they come. So for me, it was really exciting to get on these two plugins. So next time you see another 1176 emulation and you want to buy it or another LA2A, just ask yourself, does it actually do something new? Does it do something that the tools in your arsenal can't already do? Or does it do something that is new and is game changing. Chances are with 99 out of 100 plugins, it doesn't. But if it is the one out of 100, go for it. The second question I ask myself is, does it spark creativity? So where my plugin chain and my library had stayed the same, stayed really lean for a long, long time, I knew it all like the back of my hand and getting a certain sound or doing a certain thing would be really, really quick. And I'd almost be able to do it without thinking, which is great for efficiency. And it's great for delivering a product that your clients are going to love and you know they're going to love. But creatively, eventually that gets a little bit stale. And anything in the music production industry, even mastering, is a really, really creative thing. And you need to have that creative itch tickled so that you can deliver an amazing result every single time and feel passionate about what you do and excited to do it every single day. So when I had that feeling come along that things were getting a bit stale, I knew I needed to switch it up a little bit. Now, sometimes you can do this by switching up your workflow a little bit, by rearranging your studio space so that it's fresh and new. But another way to do it is just to get a new tool that reignites that spark and makes you think a little bit more. For me, this was Pulsar Massive. It's a massive passive emulation, so it's nothing new really. It is a really nice emulation and a great sounding EQ, but it certainly doesn't tick that first question that I asked myself. However, what it did do was spark a ton of creativity when it came to EQing a song. I'm probably getting a very similar end result, but the way I get there is new and fresh and exciting. It makes me think a little bit differently, it makes me process things a little bit differently, and makes me excited to start a new master when I open up this EQ. 
and that alone has made that purchase worthwhile. Now, of course, you could say this for just about any plugin, so there's a certain amount of restraint needed here, and it probably has to be used in conjunction with the next thing on the list, which is, does it live up to expectations? And there are a couple of ways to find this out, but the first one, and the most important one, is to demo a plugin properly first. With every plugin I buy, I make sure I absolutely rinse the free demo. And if they don't offer a demo, I'm not interested, to be honest. So with the Pulsar Massive EQ, this was actually something I demoed about a year ago, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, so I knew it was good. I knew what it sounded like. But at the time, I just didn't feel like I needed it. Now, a few months on, when I felt like I needed something to give me a bit of a creative kick when the plugin's on offer and I'm looking at switching up my chain a little bit, I knew that that was the plugin I wanted to go for to do that. I did the exact same thing with Baselane. I wanted to check that it actually got the results I wanted first and I wanted to A-B it to things that I already do to make sure that I preferred it and that it just had somewhere to sit in my chain and it would actually get used all the time and move me forwards. And sure enough, after the demo, I knew I needed to buy it. However, I'd say nine times out of ten when I'm demoing a plugin, I just realise I don't need it at all. I think this is why I went so long without buying any, because I was doing demos quite a lot and just finding that they didn't live up to expectations. When you first hear about a new plugin or you see that bit of marketing, there's a certain amount of excitement there and there's a little hit of dopamine too when you try it out. But when you actually sit with it for a while and carefully implement it into your workflow and consider what it's doing and the results it's getting you, often that excitement can fade and you realise you just don't need to make that purchase. Whereas if you'd bought it straight away, Often you're left with buyer's remorse and a tool that you're just not really using. So always, always demo things. An example of this is with a limiter plugin that got really, really hyped up last year that I wanted to try. I got the demo. I used it every single day. I learned it like the back of my hand and figured out how I could get the results that I wanted out of it. And I was really, really enjoying it. It was sounding great at first. But after a week or so, when I knew my way around it and I knew what sounds I was getting, I decided to AB it to the process I was using before and the limiter I was using before and realised that it just didn't sound any better. The transients were just getting softened too much. Things weren't as punchy. Yes, they were really, really clean, but it just had no character to me. I much preferred my previous set of tools. Now, if I hadn't demoed it and AB'd it, I'd have just blindly bought it and probably started using it without thinking about it. So if you are the type to just buy a plugin straight away, consider demoing it first. I'd treat it like you're buying a really expensive piece of outboard gear, which is what you'd have done back in the day. You wouldn't just go in blind and spend four grand on an analog compressor or EQ. You'd try it out. You'd learn it like the back of your hand and figure out where exactly it sits in your workflow and the best way to use it. So be that careful with a plugin purchase as well and just make sure it can really benefit you both in terms of the result you're getting and your creativity as well. Does it actually make you do your job better? A final thing to consider is can it replace several other tools in your toolkit and can it speed up your workflow? If at the moment it's taking you five to ten minutes to achieve what this one plugin can do, then it's probably a no-brainer to be honest. Anything you can do to speed up your workflow I always think is a well worth it investment. If you're charging per project, these little time savers can be worth a lot of dollars per hour, but also they can spark creativity as well, because if you can get to your result quicker, you can stay in that flow without thinking about tinkering certain plugins or putting the chain together the right way. If you have one plugin that eliminates several or just speeds you up a lot, you can stay in that creative flow much, much easier. So that would be my last thing to think about. As a bonus tip, I'd say... 
when you're buying a new plugin, have a think about whether there's something that's already in your toolkit that you can get rid of. Try and do a one in, one out. So is there a plugin that you're just not using that you maybe bought before? Is there a plugin that you just don't like the sound of anymore? Is there a plugin that's slowing you down? Try and get rid of one of those when you buy something new. This way your workflow can stay really lean, really simple and really fast as well. You don't open your plugin menu and get greeted with a sea of names and numbers to pick from. You just have your select tools that you love, ready to go, ready to click, ready to load up, and you can get going and stay creative again. So if at the moment your computer's overflowing with plugins, if you struggle a bit with the whole gear acquisition syndrome thing, I hope this episode was helpful for you and I hope it can help you to be more intentional with plugin purchases in the future. Before you go, I just want to make a really quick offer. So you want everything that leaves your studio to sound incredible, but sometimes that final 10% can leave you banging your head against the wall. Maybe you find yourself in a never-ending cycle of making one last little tweak over and over again, and before you know it, you've been in the studio for 10 hours, you're surrounded by half-empty coffee cups and your eyes are bloodshot. Or perhaps you're dead happy with your mixes, but you just need a reliable, thoughtful, fresh set of ears at the mastering stage to get them over the finish line. Either way, I'd love to help. I run a simple and collaborative mastering service. Putting you, your production, and your artist's vision at the centre of attention, I bring peace of mind to that final stage of the production process and make sure everybody walks away with a record that they adore. So if you're tired of mastering your own mixes or you're craving a more personal touch than the big name mastering houses can offer, I'd love to team up with you. If you'd like a free mastering sample, be it on an old project or something current, drop it over to me via my website or email me on phil at marsdenmastering.com. That's phil at marsdenmastering.com. And we can get the ball rolling.